What's the secret to your hair, Dr. Lisa? I get that question so much. And what I have changed recently is using my Nourish Collagen Peptides from the Nourish Balance Thrive line. As you know, before I ever put my name on anything, I test it out for months. And so therefore, I have been using this product for a long time before it ever became available to you guys. Why am I loving this product so much more than any other ones that I've ever used? A, this is grass-fed collagen. So if you are dealing with post-COVID hair loss, if you are dealing with a Hashimoto's diagnosis or a hypo or just low thyroid diagnosis and you're losing your hair, or maybe you're noticing your hair just isn't as thick as it used to be when you were in your 20s, right? There's so many of us noticing that. You might want to add some collagen into your routine. And the Nourish Collagen Peptides is from grass-fed cows, so you're going to love that. You're not going to get all the nasty hormones or whatever else that might be in conventional products. I am always looking for the cleanest source available. What else? If you're looking in the mirror and you're noticing those laugh lines, or if you can pinch your skin and it doesn't like rebound back as fast as it used to, that means the elasticity of your skin just isn't there and we want to rebuild it, nourish it so it can thrive, right? So the Nourish Collagen Peptides will do just that. And obviously as a chiropractor, I love this because it is good for your joint health as well. So Nourish Collagen Peptides has type 1 and type 3 collagen peptides in it, which are great for, like I said, hair, skin, and nails. So if you are dealing with laugh lines or thinning hair or creaky joints, you're going to want to grab a container of the Nourish Collagen Peptides. You can mix it into your smoothies, into your coffee. You can mix it into like your brownies if you're eating that drlisao.com, click the shop link or click the link below. An Ironic Media Production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. Welcome back to the show. We are deep diving into genetically modified organisms today and our food supply And we're going even deeper into some more issues that are affecting not only us, but our environment. I have Jeffrey Smith with me today. He's the founder and executive director of the Institute for Responsible Technology and Protect Nature Now. He's a leading spokesperson on GMO health dangers. He's authored two global bestsellers. He's directed five films, delivered thousands of lectures and thousands of interviews in 45 countries, trained over 1,500 speakers, and organized over 10,000 grassroots advocates. We have a ton of information that we're sharing with you today. And Jeffrey even speaks about his latest initiative, the Protect Nature Now. You're going to want to go on over there and check out the website, protectnaturenow.com, and watch the video and share this out. This message is so important to get out to all of our friends and family. And I'm going to give you a little tidbit of information. As you've always heard me say, simple steps are sustainable steps. I do not want you to become overwhelmed with this. Just know that if you go and look at his websites, you'll be able to find the list of what foods are easier to choose. So that way you're not having such an exposure to GMO. And so again, if you just make those simple steps today and then repeat them again tomorrow and repeat them again the third day, will you be healthier or sicker 30 days from now? 
I can guarantee you'll probably be a little bit healthier. None of us got to where we were by just snapping our fingers. It takes a little bit of work. However, it's those simple, sustainable steps. So I know you can do it. I don't want you to become overwhelmed with this. This is a really great episode of just being able to be informed about the food that we eat and what else is happening to it. So take a listen. I hope you enjoy it. And again, if you like the episode, share it with your family and friends. And if you would go ahead and give us a review over on that podcast platform that you're listening on, we'd love that. We are here to help change the world and make it a little bit of a better place. And it takes each and every one of us to do that. Hey there, Rockstar. I'm so glad you're here. I know you've been struggling for a while, trying to figure out why things just aren't changing. I've been there. I get you. I see you. I know how hard you're trying. I'm here to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm here to teach you the simple steps to becoming that healthy, vibrant, best version of you. Are you ready? Let's do this. I have Jeffrey Smith here with me today, and I am so excited to have him here to share all sorts of great information. He is actually the founder and executive director of the Institute for Responsible Technology and Protect Nature Now. And there's so much stuff that I can go through, but what we're talking about today are GMOs. This is something I've been super passionate about for years. And I'm trying to think, I saw you on stage at Cal Jam years ago. Like, I don't even remember how long ago that was, yeah, but was um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's where I've got so many of your books. I got your pamphlets. And so for any of my patients that are listening, I know we've got this goes around the globe, but for any of my patients in Michigan, those pamphlets that you guys look at in the office, they're his. <laughs> So, yay! Thank you for being here. Well, my pleasure. It's great to to connect with you after Cal Jam years and years yes. later. We have a lot to catch up on. I oh mean, my gosh! At that, at that have, point, you know, we, we were the doctors were like, "Oh my god, I got to prescribe organic diets to every patient." Now we have more evidence on that. We have GMO microbes, existential threat, big, big, fierce battle happening, pitched battle all over the world between the Baltic lobbyists and, and sanity. There's a lot to catch up on. Holy smokes. Isn't that the truth? I, that's how this whole podcast started was during the lockdowns last year. I was like, all right, I'm not traveling. Let's start sharing information. But um, holy smokes, we have so much to, ch- like, to catch up on. So let's just go basics first. We'll start with GMOs, but let's get into all the biotech. We'll go everywhere. How about that? Sounds good. We'll fill the whole hour. <laughs> So for those that are not familiar, they probably see the non-GMO labels everywhere, but they don't understand the importance as to why they should be looking for those things or even organic at that point. So let's go really simple. Tell them exactly what a GMO is. And and I also want to know how you got into this. All right. We'll do that. How I got into it in a little bit. Let's start with the GMO. Genetically modified organisms. Basically, you do something in a laboratory that changes the structure of the DNA, the coding of it, that can't normally happen in nature, and then you introduce your new organism because it has a trait that you want it to uh, exhibit. So most genetically modified crops are engineered not to die when sprayed with herbicide. So Monsanto creates Roundup herbicide. We know that it's linked to cancer, more than 30 diseases, very dangerous, one of the most seriously dangerous chemicals in the history of the planet, and they have genetically engineered crops not to die when sprayed with the herbicide. So you soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa, you can spray right over the top of these crops, 
They won't die because they're engineered not to, but all the other plants, the weeds, will. So that's genetically modified foods through Roundup Ready. We also have corn and cotton and soybeans that produce their own insecticide. We have things that stave off plant viruses, things that don't turn brown when sliced, like potatoes and onions, I mean potatoes and, and, and uh, apples. And we have just basically a dozen genetically engineered crops. And then we also have a bunch of other crops that are sprayed with Roundup just before harvest to dry them down, to force uh, fast ripening. And so the food supply is full of toxins. GMOs are one, Roundup is another. Avoid those. And I can tell you for the next hour what might happen. We don't have to spend the whole hour, but it's really important. Right. And you know what? Somebody actually just told me the other day, they said, you know, I knew that they sprayed wheat with Roundup to turn it brown. Right. And so it ended up into a topic of conversation on their neighborhood, like happy hour. And then they were all telling this person, you're absolutely wrong. That is not correct. And so then they're calling me. They're like, that is correct, isn't it? I'm like, yeah. So it's it's not to turn it brown. I actually don't change its color. It's called a desiccant, meaning it dries Mm -hmm. it out. So it's on Monsanto's website. You can see how they recommend spraying it three to five days before harvest. So you know it's just in the food. Mm-hmm. And it dries it down. It forces fast ripening because, you know, we're dying quick. Send energy to the kids. So it goes to the seeds, which is the grain. Um, and it kills all the plants other than the – it kills all the plants in the field for the next planting season. Um, and it gets – it fills up the wheat portion with – glyphosate, the chief poison. It's also sprayed on oats. It's sprayed on lentils and mung beans and garbanzo beans. So basically the the, ba- the grains and the beans, but it's also sprayed in orchards and, and uh, wine orchards, you know, vineyards to for just keeping the rows clear in um, orange tree orchards to keep it clear. So it ends up in orange juice. It ends up in wine. It's in a lot of foods. In fact, on our website at the Institute for Responsible Technology, responsibletechnology.org, you can get a list of the products that have been tested around the country and what the levels of this toxin are so that you, if you can't get organic, which doesn't allow the spray, you can at least avoid certain foods that usually have high levels of this dangerous toxin. So no non-organic oats, no non-organic wheat, no non-organic lentils and chickpeas, no hummus unless it's organic, unless you plan to have to deal with the roundup in your system, which has been linked to all of these diseases. We know why it's tragic, but it's true. Yeah, it is absolutely true there. And then we are seeing such an influx of so many diseases. So the fact of the matter is like, we know it's all, it's all linked. So let's you said something too, talking about with, uh, the, the plants and the corn and uh, how it's, how is it affecting our microbiome now too ooh, ooh, <laughs> with ooh. our insecticides? I'm guessing you are like a microbiome junkie like me. I... Like, <laughs> you know, I, I've, I interviewed all these microbiome experts and it's like, what? Um, it's like the little mini Jedi uh, army that's mm-hmm. there to protect us. And unfortunately, the GMOs and the Roundup both wreak havoc with the microbiome. And we've actually started a global program to protect the microbiome because if we don't, we can all die. So that's the short, you know, it's like, it's pretty, it's pretty critical, the microbiome. 
80% of all diseases can be found to have sources in dysfunctional microbiome. And when you take a human gut matter and you grow it in a, in a model gut, and then you apply Roundup, it reduces the diversity, it kills the beneficial bacteria, it allows the pathogens to grow. And I remember interviewing one of the scientists, Dr. Kieran Christen, who did this research. And I said, okay, so based on the changes in the human microbiome, can it validate these particular disorders? And I listed about 30 of them that are linked to GMOs and Roundup, you know, digestive disorders, insomnia, cancer, um, uh, weight problems, anxiety, all of them. And every single one of them could be created or exacerbated by the changes in the gut created by Roundup. Why Roundup, or glyphosate, the chief poison, is an antibiotic, but it's very special as an antibiotic. It seeks and destroys the beneficial bacteria, not the nasties. So it's like the worst possible, and it's found throughout our food supply, so we eat it. It's in the rain, it's in the air, sometimes it's in our drinking water. So it's creating havoc in our microbiome, among other things. You know, we've got all these other lists of things that it does. And that is extremely dangerous. Now, what, what we also know is that the only human feeding study ever conducted on the GMOs that are in our food supply showed that the genes inserted into soybeans, in this case, ended up transferring into the DNA of bacteria inside our gut. Now, this has implications that no one can predict because it could be devastating. Mm -hmm. So if we have new, like the microbiome has co-evolved with humanity. And right now we off, according to Kieran Krishnan, we outsource 90% of our functions, daily functions to the microbiome. It's involved in detoxification, digestion. Um, it's involved in producing certain items that couldn't otherwise come in. It's part of our immune system. And it's like, yeah, we don't need to handle that because you do. We only have 22,000 genes less than earthworms, but we get to enjoy the 3.5 million genes in our microbiome. So we are a community. And what do we do? We're bringing in genes from genetically engineered microbes that could change the nature of nature in ways that we can't predict or understand. So this is, this is the campaign Protect Nature Now that we're launching globally. And it, it gives an understanding. We'll get into it. It's like the existential threat that no one's heard of. Well, yeah. And then I think that was my biggest thing. When I first started deep diving into GMOs, um, I ended like I became panicked, right? It was one of those things. I'm like, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. Oh my gosh. What am I allowed to eat? Holy smokes. This other stuff is affecting my microbiome. And it was like, all right, well, time out. Let's, let's see how I can help change things. And it's actually really cool. I just did some lab work the other day, um, did my own little lab test to see my glyphosate numbers. And I was like, yes, this is great. It was like almost non-existent, which I mean, there's going to be a little bit, I think with everybody anymore, but um, that's not what you want to do. Right. I mean, it, this is a scary thing. Like when you really deep dive into it, it is very scary. However, we need to realize we do have control over what we can control. <laughs> right. 
Yes. So let's talk a little bit, I guess, about your initiative then, because uh, I, I don't want somebody to walk away saying, I'm only 10 minutes into this and she's already freaked me out. Like, <laughs> All right. So just for the freak out, let me just say this. Yeah. This is really important. It is. We surveyed people at 150 lectures, including CalJAM, where you were there, and about 150 lectures asking audiences, what did you notice got better when you switched to non-GMO and largely organic diets? And for the CalJAM, where there's all those doctors, we said, what about your patients when they switched? And it was consistent. There was dramatic improvements. The number one was always digestive disorders and then brain fog and fatigue and weight gain and all that. So we surveyed 3,256 people through the Institute for Responsible Technology and found 28 different conditions that people improved with. So this is a reversible situation. 85.2% improved in digestive problems. Again, number one. And it was not just minor improvement. 80% of those had either significant improvement, nearly gone, or completely recovered. Then we had um, fatigue, weight problems, brain fog, anxiety, uh, depression. And we're still above 50%. Above 50% of the people improved on these. Uh, allergies and food sensitivities, all the way down to Parkinson's. We had infertility, all that. In my movie, Secret Ingredients, which wasn't available at the time when I spoke at CalGEM, we interview people who switched to organic and had dramatic recoveries. Kids no longer on the spectrum. We had one chiropractor who uh, was putting all of her infertile couples on an organic diet and 100% of them have children. That's awesome. 100%. So it's over 100 now. 100 couples, some of them went through fertility clinics, some were diagnosed, some were not yet diagnosed. 100% success rate Last time I checked, she's featured in the film. So dramatic changes in the body. So the good news is for those that are freaking out, go organic, take notes, write down every day what percentage of our food is organic, then your energy level, your mood, and all your symptoms, one to 10, see what happens. Mm -hmm. See what is being affected by it. And then if everything gets better, you go back to your old diet, see what gets worse, and then hold on to the new diet. Right. I mean, it, I think that's the case. we got everybody and their brother that has celiac or is gluten sensitive. Right. And I, so I'm right. just like, it's not necessarily gluten sensitive. Like we are glyphosate sensitive at this point, like get the wheat out of the diet. And you see, I mean, I hear that all the time with patients that just say, yeah, I eliminated the stuff and it's gone. I'm like, I, I know. <laughs> I know. I, I, I think I was the first person to publicly raise the relationship between um, gluten sensitivity and GMOs. I remember calling uh, gluten guru Tom O'Brien and said, uh, Tom, here's my here's my uh, hypothesis. What do you think? I think it predisposes the body in the following way. He goes, absolutely right. I gave a press conference uh, where Mark Hyman and others were there. I, I, I introduced a whole uh, white paper on it. I had support from Stephanie Senna from MIT and all that. And it turns out that when we did the survey, people got better from gluten sensitivity right. when they switched to non-GMO and largely organic diets. And we and Stephanie Seneff did a, and Anthony Samsel did a peer-reviewed study showing how the predicted and, uh, diagno and experimental um, outcomes of taking in glyphosate match hand in glove with gluten sensitivity yeah. and including the, the celiacs. So we think the, and it's in both of my films, two of my 10, five films, um, Genetic Roulette and Secret Ingredients, they both talk about gluten sensitivity and Roundup as related. So those that are stuck, 
in any type of sensitivity, in any chronic condition, yes. in just for any fatigue, brain fog, switch to organic, take notes, see what happens. Mm-hmm. How did you get into this? Let's deep dive. I want to know this. And then we're going to, I want to talk about salmon. I want to talk about all sorts of stuff. Okay. But- and we do have to talk about the Protect Nature Now campaign yes. because that's the existential threat that no one knows about and we need to stop it. Okay. okay. So I went to a lecture by a genetic engineer who was blowing the whistle on the technology in 1996. That was the year they were going to start harvesting genetically engineered crops for the food supply in Iowa where I lived. And I said, well, I think I better help out here because A, everyone who eats can be affected and B, all living beings and all future generations can be affected because you cannot clean up pollution of the gene pool. So I started to help out. And then 25 years later, I've spoken at 45 countries, written two books, made five films, and have been a little busy. So the idea is that it is phenomenally dangerous. You can look at at, uh, charts that I show at my talks that are correlational, so you can't prove causation with these charts, but there's all these different diseases, IBD, different cancers, um, deaths from Alzheimer's, uh, weight problems, hypertension, Parkinson's, leukemia, all these death rates, um, deaths from intestinal infections. All of these follow a slope that happens to match with the increased use of GMOs and Roundup in the U.S. agricultural system. Now, if we just had the correlational evidence, that would be weak. We also have the evidence of people getting better. That makes it stronger. We have the evidence of of livestock and pets getting better or getting sick, depending on whether they're eating GMOs or getting rid of them with Roundup. We have the animal feeding studies, which makes it very strong. They suffer from these diseases or their precursors. And we now know the modes of action of GMOs and particularly Roundup, which could suggest that these particular diseases would be either created or exacerbated. So now we have the full smoking shotgun. And so we know very, very confidently that this is extremely dangerous and should be avoided, and it takes effort. But the easiest way is simply buy organic. If you can't get organic, go to responsibletechnology.org, look at our report of glyphosate, look at our report of which the GMOs are, avoid the GMOs, the high glyphosate foods, and then you can navigate when you're in restaurants feeling safe. And then in any case, you're going to get some kind of glyphosate in your body. You may get some GMOs in your body. If you do, I think you'll agree. Don't worry, because worrying is toxic. The GMOs and Roundup are toxic. You don't need to add another toxin. Just don't worry. Do your best. Yeah. And especially over the last year with all the stress levels that everybody, you know, they're all experiencing. I'm like, well, we know stress will take the immune system. So we don't need that worry to be added on to that right now. We need to keep ourselves nice and relaxed and that sympathetic versus parasympathetic overload. Well, let's let's talk about your initiative. Like, how can we help with you know, getting our audience involved and how, how can we do this? Help change the world. Okay. <laughs> the website to go to get involved, change the world, learn more about it is called protectnaturenow.com. Now, if you go there, you're going to see a 16 minute film, which is my latest film and my shortest. It's about genetically engineered microbes. And it happens to be released during the pandemic, which is a perfect time because we start off with what are the lessons of the pandemic? One is we don't want to create potential pandemics in the future by taking disease pathogens and making them more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the H5N1 avian flu virus that was made airborne in a genetically engineered laboratory. It is up to 24 times more deadly 
than the COVID-19 virus. We don't want to, you know, um, tempt fate by having this incredibly deadly agent made airborne, because right now it's very hard to get H5N1. You'd have to be around uh, birds for a long time. Less than a thousand people have had it. It's a 52% approximately death rate, huge death rate, but they made an airborne version. Now they have their own justification, but there's hundreds and hundreds of experiences of reported lab accidents in high security labs, probably many more that are unreported. It's not a good idea. But as long as we're locking down this so-called gain of function research on potentially pandemic pathogens, we have another important lesson to implement. And that is never, ever allow the release of any genetically engineered microbes. Why? We know we didn't need a pandemic to know that microbes can travel around the world. Most people don't realize, in addition to mutating and replicating, they often go to microbial swap meets, where they take their genetic elements and exchange it like playing cards, like trading cards, and now another species or another species or one of the trillion microbial species now can pick up that new genetic element that was created in a laboratory that did not evolve with humans or nature. We know that the microbiome is a delicately balanced ecosystem Inside us, it supports our health, and we've outsourced 90% of our daily functions. In the soil, it produces healthy ecosystems above ground. It's found in oceans. It's found in the atmosphere. It's found everywhere. If you introduce these new elements, it could permanently damage or collapse ecosystems. And right now, you can create a gene-edited, genetically modified microbe in your own home, in a do-it-yourself kit from Amazon for less than $200. For less than $1,000, you can get a full-on lab and create new microbes and release them every day. And there's no regulation saying you can't. My gosh. And people, uh, governments around the world are being convinced by the biotech lobbyists of the lie that gene editing is safe and predictable. It's not. It's extremely unpredictable. The lie that it's natural, which is not, it produces things in labs that can never be done in nature or extremely rarely. And it is extremely dangerous because we show in this film, and I really strongly recommend, look at the film, don't let the gene out of the bottle. We have one example of a genetically engineered bacterium that was engineered but for completely well-meaning purposes. Scientists took a natural occurring bacteria that's found in every plant ecosystem in their roots and made it so that it turns plant matter into alcohol. They were going to distribute it to farmers who, instead of burning their crop residues, could put it in barrels with the bacteria. And then in two weeks, they would have alcohol to run their tractors. Maybe they could sell it off farm for extra income. And then the sludge at the bottom, which was nutrient rich, take it out of the barrel, spread it on the fields, and now you have fertilizer. What a great idea on paper. The EPA said, we have no objection. You've done all the research we require. And there was a graduate student at uh, Oregon State University who said, you know, I need to get a PhD. I want to do research on a GMO. Would you mind if I did some research on your GMO? And they said, sure, no problem. It's not required. In fact, we're going to be releasing it outdoors very soon. So he took the nutrient-rich sludge 
and used it as a fertilizer, mixed it with soil, planted wheat seeds, planted wheat seeds in regular soil, and waited. Then he came to his, his laboratory one morning on a Saturday morning and was shocked. He said, oh, I made a mistake. All of the wheat growing on the sludge-mixed soil was turned to slime. <sighs> it was all dead. Now, that told him and then told the people who were going to be out to release this two weeks later. In two weeks, they were going to release it. That the sludge contains the active bacterium. And that if it was spread on the farmer's field, it would turn all the roots of all the crops into alcohol, killing all the crops. Oh, my gosh. So it would have rendered the field of the farmer that spread it infertile, but it doesn't stop there. Two weeks later, before after this event stopped them, they had planned to release the bacteria outside to see how far it would spread. Well, it turns out Dr. Elaine Ingham was this PhD candidate's advisor, and she started making a fuss about this, the dangers of genetically engineered microbes, spoke at the UN, etc. And member whistleblowers at the EPA quietly told her the answer to the question, how far do genetically engineered microbes spread? Because the EPA did a secret study that they disavowed where they released genetically engineered microbes in Louisiana and then tested its how far it spread. And eventually it spread around the earth. It was found everywhere. So now I said to her in this film, what's the, what would be the logical consequence of releasing this bacterium that turns crop matter into alcohol? And basically, if it spread out, if it displaced its normal, natural, non-alcohol producing cousin, which are ifs, it could end terrestrial plant life on the planet. End terrestrial plant life. Because there's no recall. There's no, you can't, it's like you can't recall all the viruses from COVID by spraying them with anything. You can't do that. It's, it's out, there. out there. And so this was an example of a genetically engineered microbe that could have created a cataclysm. In the same film, you'll see one that could have potentially changed weather patterns. But even if these bad actors, single ones where we know might have caused a devastating consequence, there's more that we don't know. We, know, we don't know most of what the microbiome does. Mm -hmm. And we're shocked to discover the changes in the body in the second trimester. The, there's milk digesting microbes that move into the birth canal so that it inoculates the baby so that the baby can digest the mother's milk. Part of the mother's milk is more microbiome. Part of the mother's milk is indigestible by the baby. It's to feed the microbiome because a healthy microbiome sets up health not only for the rest of the baby's life, but for the next generation. When there's, when there's diseases, Alzheimer's, cancer, oftentimes there's a migration of the microbes to help the body recover and to protect from spreading, for example, breast cancer. It's an incredible system that we are just beginning to understand. The microbiome trains actions that help it support its survival. So it may cause us to want sugar. If we're doing something that it likes, it may signal the reward center of the brain so that it trains us to support it. It's an incredible participant in our life, 
we are just beginning to understand it. And yet, we may introduce a million genetically engineered microbes into the environment in this generation if we don't lock it down. And we may permanently, forever, change the microbiome, damaging and possibly collapsing ecosystems. So this is urgent. You can buy a microbe gene editing kit on Amazon today. There are robots being driven by artificial intelligence in large, massive arrays, creating new combinations of genes in major corporations. There are these exist today. There's a comp- there's two companies at least that are selling genetically engineered microbes for soil remediation. Nice idea. What happens if that new gene ends up in a baby or on the top of a mountain or in a lake? We don't know. So this is a existential threat on the level of everything. And yet the biotech industry is convincing governments to look the other way. So you asked what to do. When you go to protectnaturenow.com, you watch the film, then go to the advocacy platform. There we have loaded information, like a white paper, an article, a film, depending on what the campaign is. You hit send. And just by entering your address, all of your elected officials show up. Okay. You hit send. They get all that with a, with a note that you can customize. You can get you, all your local and regional media show up. Hit send with a note that you can customize. You can send things to, to social media. We are reaching out to thousands of elected officials, thousands of media outlets, and your elected officials and media outlets will show up whether you're in the US, Canada, Australia, the UK, EU, and it's essential that this become a global campaign because yes. if we stop it in one country and microbes are created all around the world, it's not going to help. Right. We need to make it a global campaign. And so you also are inv- invited warmly and encouraged to make a donation to Protect Nature Now so that we can open up offices all over the world, so that we can bring this to the Convention of Biological Diversity, so we can have major documentaries, not just 16 minutes, TV shows, books, articles, curriculum in schools, put it in popular culture so that all that this generation and future generations realize that we have arrived at an inevitable time in human civilization where we can easily redirect the streams of evolution and that all living beings and all future generations depend on us not damaging biological evolution as we know it, but instead preserving it, yes. protecting nature now, which is the name of this website and the name of the cam- name of the campaign, protectnaturenow.com. Okay. I love it. And as I was, as you're going through all of this, it makes me also think about, can we talk about the bees and what we're seeing now with the bees? Cause I mean, I'm a, I'm a child of the eighties. And so the fact is like, you know, the cereal I was eating in 1982 is not what kids are eating now based off of, you know, glyphosate, right. It just wasn't being used at the rate that it was. So it's the same thing. Let's see what this stuff is showing up and how it's affecting. I mean, this is a big deal here, obviously, we're seeing it in all aspects of our environment at this point. So first of all, the on our website at responsibletechnology.org, yes. we have a lot of children's cereals results, some from EWG, some from others. The oat-based cereals, avoid them. Oats have one of the highest levels of glyphosate residues, unless it's organic. Yes. So I would say avoid them. As far as bees go, it turns out that... The colony collapse disorder, mm-hmm. which is destroying the bee population, is can be traced 
to at least two things with a good deal of confidence. One is neonicotinoid insecticides, which are treated on seeds. A lot of the GMO crops have it in there. They completely destroy the bees. They wipe out their ability to find the hive, etc. Very, very dangerous. They've been banned in some places. But also glyphosate. Studies have shown that they that they lose their ability to navigate. 30% can die at levels of glyphosate that are generally found in the environment. Um, and so it's huge. Now, one of the ways that we know that it's probably glyphosate and not just these neonicotinoids <coughs> is that when they look at the, at the bees, it appears that they're starving. Now, neonicotinoids wouldn't cause that to happen. But what happens is the gut microbiome of the bee is used to digest the food. Mm -hmm. And the lactobacillus, for example, is incredibly important in the bee. But lactobacillus is one of those beneficials that are easily killed by Roundup. So you have bees with plenty of food around, but they can't digest them. And they're dying of, in part, starvation. That's not explained by neonicotinoids. It is explained by glyphosate, which kills the microbiome um, in a selective fashion. Now, one company was doing research on this and biologics, and it was purchased by Monsanto, who was the creator of Roundup, and then they no longer put out any information. So they were we know from lawsuits made, you know, documents made public from lawsuits, et cetera that Monsanto does just about everything dastardly that a corporation can do. It ghost writes, it threatens scientists, it, it threatens media, it lies, it rigs farmers. farmers. It's just, it's basically a really bad actor. They're purchased now by Bayer, the aspirin maker. So now they're Monsanto Bayer in my mind, but they only call themselves Bayer. And it's, they're still doing a lot of this nasty stuff that we now know because of documents made public from lawsuits. So they are stifling the research on the bees, but a lot of beekeepers that I know are just, they're devastated because the glyphosate is being sprayed all over the place. So people, please do not use Roundup or anything that contains glyphosate in your yard. It says it biodegrades. It used to say that until a judge, um, told Monsanto they were guilty of false advertising, you can end up with glyphosate in your soil for years or decades. Yeah. It does not break down easily. It requires certain selective agents in the, in the environment. And sometimes it can be 22 years just to break down to a half-life. That's the longest recorded. Life. The longest recorded. It's usually a lot less than that. But please don't use it. It also gets washed into rivers. And what it does in the environment is incredible what it does in the body. It can mess up our hormones, our neurotransmitters, our mitochondria, our DNA, our digestive enzymes, causing leaky, can cause leaky gut, all of these different things. We can spend an entire hour on that. I don't think we need to just avoid it. And it's also where I think people need to realize that we, the decisions that we make with our pocketbook are what transfers over to everything else. So if we stop purchasing the products that are routinely being like, stop purchasing the GMO products just for our own health, but it also decreases the dollars that these, these companies are taking in. So, and that's a good excuse for combining two budgets, actually three budgets, not just your food budget, but your philanthropy budget, yes. because you're doing good in the world mm -hmm. by supporting the, 
food supply that's free of these chemicals. You also can add your health budget to there because as so many people have told me, and it's in the film Secret Ingredients, that when people switch to organic, they go to doctors less. They have get less sick. And so when they go to their physicians, it's wellness visits rather than having to go back over and over again because of some debilitating, debilitating illness. It is. And this is, um, I think, something that's really... I mean, people are waking up over the course of the last year, right? Absolutely waking up. And what I always say on this show is really follow the money. Let's figure out the money trail. And you just said so much of where it was. So what is, um, what's one of the most shocking revelations of shadowy corporate behavior that you have exposed or you, do you have a whole list? (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, I asked that question to everyone I interview. So like, like, because it reveals, it's like yes. when I wrote Seeds of Deception, I wanted like stories. Yeah. So I started off with everyone's, started off each chapter with shocking moments. Um, these days, I can hear some really horrendous behavior and it doesn't shock, but it's shocking behavior. Yeah. So here's an example. Like I, I loved researching my second book, Genetic Roulette finding all the ways that Monsanto and other biotech companies rigged their research and how they overcook samples and you know, just so many things. But I, but there was one that I was not aware of until it was reported in the recent Roundup trials that where the juries concluded that Roundup caused these plaintiffs cancers. They, in order to register your pesticide, you have to test absorption levels into human skin. So they take cadaver skin, put the herbicide on it and see how much is absorbed. And I think it was 10% was absorbed into human skin, which is over 3.3 times the allowable level. So Monsanto hid that information from the Environmental Protection Agency. They never told them. What they did do in order to get data to submit, and this is typical Monsanto, they took human skin and they put it in an oven and baked it. So imagine, you know, overdone meat, right? Yeah. Then that wasn't good enough. They then took that that skin and put it in the freezer and froze it deeply. So they took this tough leather-like human skin and applied Roundup. Oh, hardly any absorbed. So their report to the EPA was hardly anything gets absorbed in human skin. And there was no asterisk saying it's a Monsanto version of human skin. Right. And I'm sitting here thinking of the cadaver labs that I went through in school. Like that, I mean, the skin thickened up as it was. So I didn't know that. So, I mean, like some people think, well, how could the how could they get away with this? How could something so bad be allowed on the market? Well, let's look at the FDA, which looks at GMOs, and let's look at the EPA, which looks at Roundup. The person in charge of GMO policy for the FDA, Michael Taylor was Monsanto's former attorney. They created a position for him to be in charge of policy when the White House told the FDA to promote GMOs. He, his program, his his policy, claimed that there was no difference between GMOs and non-GMOs, therefore no testing or labeling was necessary. Companies like Monsanto could put a GMO food on the market without even telling the FDA. After he made that, instituted that policy, he became Monsanto's vice president, and then later the U.S. Foods are. So back and forth between FDA, Monsanto's attorney, FDA, Monsanto's vice president, FDA. And it's right so, there with Big Pharma, too. And I mean, oh, God. And the thing is, you know, when, when 
when Monsanto had a bovine growth hormone injection <laughs> into cows to increase milk supply. I know one scientist who used to work for Monsanto said three colleagues of his did research on the milk from cows treated with Monsanto's drug, and they stopped drinking milk. There was so much cancer-promoting hormone in milk, they said they wouldn't drink milk unless it was organic. One bought his own cow. But they, they used rig research to get it through the FDA, rigged research that was, you know, they pasteurized milk 120 times longer than normal, et cetera. They, they added powdered hormone to the milk at 47 times the amount of normal. I mean, they just had to completely rig the research, just like that human cadaver skin. And not only that, but the person who was in charge of the review by the FDA was part of the research team from Monsanto doing the research on, on RBGH, the hormone. The per, there was a person who had did research for Monsanto as well. She ended up heading a division that evaluated her research. So it was completely rigged. Yeah. That's the FDA. We now know from the EPA because of documents from the Wilson, they had their lapdogs in there. They had people working on their behalf, doing things for Monsanto, working for the EPA stopping other agencies from testing whether Roundup causes cancer, telling, you know, cherry picking Monsanto studies to review the, 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 the chemical saying, oh, it doesn't cause cancer. Not the independent peer reviewed studies, but the, the studies that Monsanto wrote. And we know that Monsanto also wrote and ghost wrote some of the peer reviewed studies. So some of the peer-reviewed studies that they used to rely on their decision were secretly written by Monsanto. I remember, I remember debating a toxicologist on the doctor's TV show mm -hmm. uh, right after the International Agency for Research on Cancer determined that glyphosate was a probable human carcinogen. And she came on to say, oh, no, it's not. I have all this confidence in this molecule as a scientist, as a mother. And I'm talking about Michael Taylor and I'm talking about all this research. And it gets they, they play this show. And then because of the, the lawsuit, millions of documents from Monsanto's secret files were made public. And I, I looked at them and I looked for Donna Farmer's name, the toxicologist who was on the TV show. And there she was, ghostwriting. There she was, acknowledging that you can't say that Roundup doesn't cause cancer, acknowledging that it might have caused tumors, acknowledging that it might have killed certain animals. All this evidence was in the secret private files. And so I called up the doctor's producer and I said, I think that Donna Farmer was lying, and here's the evidence. So they invited me on the show again, along with Donna Farmer. She said no. I said, why don't you take this lawyer? He's representing these plaintiffs. And while you're at it, take a plaintiff. So they did something that I think they've never done before. They dedicated an entire hour-long episode on national television to, G to Roundup and cancer. And so I was there for an hour, and Brent Wisner, who won the cases after that in law in the lawsuits, we just exposed it. And more came out in Carrie Gillum's book, The Monsanto Papers. And all these information is coming out now about how they're really bad actors. It's really dangerous. And we should do everything we can to avoid it. And hopefully the regulatory agencies will be uncaptured. Right now they're just captive yeah. audience, captive players, enforcement wing for Monsanto. Hopefully we can dislodge that. But in the meantime, we cannot rely on the government no. to protect us. Yeah, we have got to take our own our own stance. We've got to do our own stuff because I think that's, if anything, what the last year and a half has done for so many people is to wake them up to that perspective. So what else do you have? I definitely want you to share your website again so everybody can get over there and check out the video and 
make a donation and do everything else because we definitely need to be in on this fight. Okay. Protectnaturenow.com. That's where you can see the the film. Yeah. Don't let the gene out of the bottle. Sixteen minutes. It's free. Um, you can go to the take action page or the advocacy platform. Enter your your address and then yes. immediately click and send. It's very very quick. I also recommend spending a little time and customizing your letter. Um, and you can make a donation on that page as well. If you want to figure out how to avoid consuming. Roundup, certainly eat organic, but you can go to responsibletechnology.org and and get the report for glyphosate level residues. And to help you either encourage you to eat organic or teach you how, you can go to livehealthybewell.com. That's the name of my podcast. I have a 90-day lifestyle upgrade. I have an online program called Healing from GMOs and Roundup. The film Secret Ingredients is there. Secret Ingredients turns out to be the most efficient way to convince someone to eat organic. So speaking to your listeners, a lot of them now are saying, yeah, I eat organic. But many of you have friends who said, oh, don't talk to me about that anymore. They sometimes run away <laughs> from the people who are the most enthusiastic. They right. said, you know, it's like, don't talk to her about food. So <laughs> show them the film. Secret ingredients. I've had like mothers come to me with their daughters saying, my daughter wouldn't pay any attention to me until I, sh I tried for years. I showed her the film. Now she's more, uh, more of, a, of, a, of a strict disciplinarian on this than I am. You know, a ma a wives have said that about their husbands. It is incredibly effective because we show real people what happens when they switch to organic. And then the doctors come on and say, this isn't, this isn't a rare occurrence. This is a predicted occurrence. It happens in my clinic every single day. And then some doctors say, you know what's the best? Is that when someone goes into an organic diet and their symptoms disappear and then they cheat. Because when they cheat, then all the <laughs> symptoms come back and then they're absolutely sure it's the food. So yep. all that's in the film. I love it. Such great information. Thank you so much for your time today. I so appreciate it. This and I want, to say, I want to say this, Lisa, too, that the every one of the challenging situations that we talked about has a solution. Yes. Individually, we eat organic and learn how to avoid these things when we can't get organic. Collectively, what's so interesting is that the Protect Nature Now campaign, which has to be a globally understood. It has to be understood on the level of climate change so that everyone knows you would never give an atomic bomb detonator to a child and said, oh, don't press the red button. It's so obvious. We have to say, oh, don't give a gene editing kit to someone who can create a microbe and release it. No one knows that it's on that level yet, mm -hmm. but we need to train and teach people. Yeah. Now we've, we have this pandemic, which has alerted everyone to microbes, alerted everyone knows they can travel around the world, that they can mutate, that they can wreak havoc. This is the perfect time for us to appeal to humanity, to appeal to elected officials. It's at the same time where gene editing is so cheap and easy that the threat is upon us. So the existential threat is like the stick and the opportunity to be stewards of all living beings and all future generations is like the carrot. So we are at a critical time right now 
And so our goal is to be everywhere in the world very quickly. If you know anyone with deep pockets, share this, this video because we need millions of dollars. I don't need to describe exactly how many millions. We have the figure. We know what we're going to spend it on. We need millions of dollars to have a global campaign. Right now we have 50 organizational allies around the world. We need to make that 500 or 1,000 or many more. We have films coming out. We have articles coming out. We need to have a whole mountain of evidence presented around the world in all languages because we can't, I mean, I spent 25 years as the, as the chief, the leading um, spokesperson on the health dangers of GMOs. Mm -hmm. And now 51% of Americans and 48% of the world believe that GMO foods are not safe. That's true. That's exerting the effort, the energy into the food supply, changing the decisions made by the food companies. But that took 25 years. We don't have 25 years. Because once you release a GMO microbe or a GMO, any GMO, GMO it's, it can pollute the gene pool forever. Mm -hmm. It gets passed on from generation to generation, and there's no cleaning it up. In 1859, someone released 24 rabbits in Australia to make visitors feel more at home because they don't have rabbits in Australia, and visitors from England like to hunt rabbits. Well, guess what? By the 1920s, there was over 10 billion rabbits. We are in a situation where we release a GMO microbe. It can be like the microbial rabbits, but it can also wreak havoc because unlike rabbits, the microbes can swap those genes with one of the trillion types of microbes that are out there, and we don't know what it can do. So we need to come together and protect nature now. So I, I never give information that's, you know, doomsday and hopeless. Mm -hmm. That would be a real waste of my life. I'm saying, <laughs> let's get this together and let's win. I love it. And it is. It lets blood off. Blah, blah, blah. Let's put all of our energy together for the common good. We are all going to be amazing at the end of all, all of us. We have to give them hope. We have to give them hope. Absolutely, Lisa. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Jeffrey Smith. Thank you. All content provided by Dr. Lisa Olszewski and her guests and her programs, including this podcast, her website, summits, and other platforms, is for educational and informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider before you make any changes to your health routine, especially related to this content. Ask your physician questions about medical conditions. No statement has been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products mentioned or discussed in these programs are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I hear it all the time. How do I get my kids to eat fruits and vegetables? How can I get them to take a multivitamin? Or even for our adults, I hate fruits and vegetables. How do I incorporate some of the great benefits of this? This is why I created the Nourish Super Greens and Super Reds. You are going to love them. They are all organic. You have organic green blend and an organic red antioxidant blend. But what else I love about this? I brought in immune support as well. So we have such amazing superfoods, all of the different mushrooms that are in there, along with digestive enzymes. And you can just mix it into your smoothie. You can mix it into some water, but it tastes good. There are no added sugars. You're going to love it. So just click the link below or go to drlisao.com and click the shop button.